All right, so this is our final um, after show combo on uh, Dirty John. And I want to read um, a quote from Tara, because we're going to look at Tara. And, you know, she's the one that killed John. And uh -huh. uh, she said, my heart is pounding. I'm kicking and screaming as hard as I can. It lasted seconds, but felt like hours. In just 32 seconds, my life changed forever. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, I'm going to open up these pictures so you can see them from Dirty John, uh, but there's one that shows her in the hospital after she was attacked. So let me share my screen real quick. Yeah, she had a boot on. Yeah. So see those rain boots? Yeah. Those are the strong ones, and that dog is the one that bit his, he was biting his leg and chewing on his back leg. So you can she see was me. First, first in the hospital, though, she was all tubed up. Well, I mean, she's still in the hospital at this moment. Um, you can see the, the blood on her. Um, you can see she's got some on her face and uh, her rain boots on and stuff. So, yeah, I think he got her in the arm and see how she's she's got her that oxygen thing on her hand. But you can see that there's blood there and it looks like there's a gauze. So I think she's holding gauze up to that wound. So I don't think they've even treated her yet. And, and I would take a picture of that. I'm sorry. I don't get that. I don't Maybe the police. No, I don't think so. I don't get it either, but she lives in a world where everything is on camera. You know, so maybe that's it, but I didn't want a picture of me after I had Kent. You know, I'm like, no. He was smiling a little, so maybe, I don't know who would take it. I don't either. So, but, you know, Tara, like we, you know, John attacked her because she seemed like the weak one. I'll go after her. She's a weakest target. Personally, I think it reveals what a coward he was. Mm -hmm. um, as we know, she did not turn out to be that weak. And I love that because, you know, we talk about personality throughout the, the series, our season, and she was an S for sure, still is. So um, I just want to commend S personalities, and I want them to know, because I've mentored a lot of people, and they're normally S's, and they are the smartest and the toughest people I know. They just don't recognize it, you know, where D personalities are outwardly um, powerful. I put that in quotes, you know, they're outwardly like that. S's are inwardly and can definitely be outwardly. And so, you know, with D's, it's, it's a point of intimidation and we tend to be extremely articulate, but S's are just as smart, just as intelligent. And I want, you know, people to know that. And so uh, I read an article in People uh, where I just took the quote above called the stepdaughter who killed Dirty John in self-defense defense reflects on notorious abuser three years later. So she shared her story. So she said that her life drastically changed and she initially tried to go back to work, but couldn't. And she was diagnosed with PTSD and she started therapy, but she said that didn't help her until she found an EMDR therapist. And your connection, Elena, is going into red and yellow. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. Okay. So I, I have heard of EMDR, but I thought it was such a helpful tool for her that I'd kind of like to um, describe what that was. 
Okay, so an EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a form of ther therapy that alleviates the distress associated with traumatic memories. And I've known a couple of people have used this therapy and they said they really like it. So from what I researched, and I think Elena, you might know some about this or some people, it says that it helps victims recover through adaptive information processing. And it was um, founded by a Dr. Francine Shapira. And she says that unhealed memories are stuck in the brain. So within those memories are the emotions, the thoughts, the beliefs, and even physical sensations that from the experience. And then it comes out in quote, maladaptive responses when triggered. Yeah. It, and so I guess to recover, the memories have to be processed in a way that then reprocesses the trauma and it reduces the anxiety um, by creating new associations with memories and increasing adaptive behaviors. So where other treatments focus on emotions, thoughts, and responses, EMDR focuses directly on the memory. So once the memory is dealt with, those emotions, thoughts, and responses change. And there's a website, emdrhap.org. They say it's an eight-phase trauma treatment that identifies and addresses experiences that have overwhelmed the brain's natural resilience or coping capacity. So do, can, do you have anything to add, like, uh, to share with us on, on this therapy or what you know about it? Um, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I'm not good with memorizing, like, the science part of these things but the one thing I remember is getting healing I mean it totally changed my life getting healing from traumatic events and memories um, you don't forget them but the emotions behind it the negative emotions behind it you get some freedom from it's pretty phenomenal so you can be like through some mm -hmm. yeah so it almost sounds like what I've talked about and I, I try to do this with um clients is it's like you're reframing the memory so it's you're taking taking it out of the trauma and reframing it in a safe environment with even triggers uh, to help you almost so i mean i've never gone through it so i don't know like what that might look like um it what we did, we did something, I mean, our treatment was, it definitely, it wasn't like six or eight steps. It was just a couple of tools um, and it helped the brain and the mind and then just the memory associated with the traumatic event and the emotions. It was very simple, the tools that he gave us. And um, again, you don't forget the event, but the emotions that are associated with the event, um, they're not there anymore. So is that the one where one of the tools you told me that if you have a memory that still has that sting and it comes up, you out loud say yes, like with enthusiasm. Was that one of them? Kind of. So there's two things that we were taught and one was smile um, because um, there's science behind this. Again, I don't remember the specifics, but your brain or your mind, I think it's your brain immediately becomes at ease 
with a smile and the word yes. It's an automatic positive association and it just puts you at ease, puts you in a good mindset. My favorite technique is remembering um, an event or um, let's just say an argument that's really bothering you and you remember it and you're thinking about it and you smile and you can do this. It takes just a little bit of time. You can do it privately. I've even done it at work or public areas and just kind of um, bent my head down and smiled, closed my eyes and um, start thinking of a positive word. You're a positive word and uh, mine's love. And so I, I remember the event and I start saying the positive word and you kind of just keep doing that um, until it doesn't sting anymore. And it really does work. I had done some research years ago on that when people are allowed to share a, you know, a difficult experience with someone else and they feel like the other person understands and is validating, you know, what they're feeling and going through, there's no judgment or anything like that. It literally rewires a brain. It reframes that memory in a positive association so that the next time the memory comes up, there's not the sting there. So that it kind of sounds like that's what it is where it's a tool versus a conversation. Yeah. The rewiring part is key. Um, I hadn't heard of it being re you know, reframed, but the rewiring I'm familiar with. And so your brain kind of goes in neutral uh, with that event and it doesn't cause, um, it does it just doesn't cause the sting anymore. Again, you don't forget it. Um, but the emotion behind it is just, it's, um, like whenever you're rethinking about it, it's going, you know, your mind's going through the data, I guess. And it's like, Oh, that's okay. That's neutral. We're good there. Well, it sounds like it's a great therapy. And uh, so EMDR usually takes only one to three sessions. Mm -hmm. And so the phases are like, uh, number one, the history. You know, they want to know what, what's going on, what's the history, what's caused the traumatic event. And then two is preparing the patient. So I'm sure there was some coaching, a little bit of some instruction. Three, they'll at, assess the target memory. And then number four, that's where the phases four through seven occur. So there might be several times of processing the memory. And then the last one is evaluating treatment results. So before starting, the therapist or clinician will do uh, a careful assessment and preparation work, especially if there's multiple traumas. Yeah. Then in the session, the therapist will lead the patient through a series of lateral eye movements while the patient briefly focuses on different aspects of a disturbing memory. And they call it left, right eye movements or bilateral stimulation. Yeah. Had no so, idea. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll sometimes use bilateral sound using headphones or tactile touching with a device um, or a handheld device that will vibrate the, or taps the back of the hands. So I thought that was interesting. So that the vividness of the memory and the emotion of the memory are reduced. So yes. that's what she did. And it, um, she said after finishing her therapy, she went back to California to share their story to help others recognize red flags, manage PTSD and self-defense techniques. And the overwhelming response encouraged her to help others by making her own podcast called Time Out with Tara. So let's finish this one with a video from her. And she said that she still does struggle 
with PTSD, but she's been healed a lot. So it may have a commercial at the beginning. So let me click on it and then I'll share my screen. That was what I was telling you about. Yeah. Now you just. I should have downloaded these videos so we're not hearing about potato chips. Cheddar jalapeno. <laughs> Oxygen.com, and I'm joined with Tara Newell, who has a new podcast. She's working on a book, her story and her mother's story. Deborah Newell was featured in Oxygen's documentary, Dirty John, The Dirty Truth. So thank you, Tara, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's, so we were just talking, and it's been three and a half years since the encounter with John Kim. Yes. So how has your life changed since that moment? Um, well, it's changed so much. I don't work with dogs anymore. Um, I am basically a full-time advocate, and... I am here in New York right now trying to place laws for coercive control and trying to talk about getting them in place here and what we could do. Um, I came with Laura Richards and um, she was in the Dirty Truth documentary and so I'm doing that. I'm also writing a book um, and I have a podcast so I'm just doing a lot of things to kind of bring light to relationships, what happened, red flags, and how you can kind of have a healthy relationship or like spot the red flags. And I do a segment in my podcast called Dirty Dates. <laughs> and I just like point out all the red flags that happen on the date. <laughs> so, and so tell us about, uh, tell us a little bit more about the podcast, what it's called, who are the some types of people that you're talking to? Okay, so my podcast is called Time Out with Tara. <laughs> I talk and I interview a lot of interesting people, a lot of people with stories, and then just a lot of influencers, celebrities, and so on. Um, we talk about dirty dates, but I also like to interview them and get to know them and see what they want to promote, what they want to talk about, because I feel like when you go on a podcast or a TV show, you have like an outline of what you're supposed to talk about. It's not whatever you want to give. And just in terms of the book, is the book along the same lines of talking about those red flags or is it just more about your life? So it's going to be about my life and my childhood and the event that happened. And then the aftermath of that and how I was able to cope with everything, get help, and how I was able to spot the red flags with John. Um, and for people who aren't maybe familiar either with the Bravo show or with your story and your mom's story, can you tell us a little bit about it? My stepdad tried to come after me and I was able, able to defend myself and I ended up killing him and defending myself. Mm -hmm. And you've talked a lot about the PTSD and being diagnosed since then. What has it been like sharing that story with the public? I feel like people have more so compassion because I went through such a traumatic event. And a lot of people go through traumatic events, maybe not what I went through, but it's a trauma. And unless you really know what's going on with you, you can think you're crazy. And so I felt like I was crazy at a certain point because I would have these meltdowns, these triggers, and I wouldn't know what to do. And I felt like I was crazy. I felt like I was just better off dead. I felt like John should have killed me. And so it was 
really important for me to get understanding of that. And now that I have understanding of that and it put out there, there's so many others that are able to relate and be like, okay, I'm not crazy too, you know? What is that like too for you to know that you're, you know, putting out your message for other people and maybe you're going through something similar? It's really encouraging to connect with others and to hear their stories because we're humans and we're supposed to connect and get to know each other. We're not supposed to be alone. And so I feel it's important to do that and have this kind of circle or niche. Okay, so I want to show you um, where she's at today. Uh, let's see. It's interesting. She said she just wanted to die. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was too. Very mm -hmm. so. Here's some pictures of her. And uh, let's see. There's the dog that helped her, helped her fight. I thought it was funny. It has one dark blue eye and the other. Oh. And uh, there they are again. <laughs> the dog looks like she's looking at her like, what? What are we doing here? So anyway, um, I just thought it was, you know, good to end with her story and what she's doing. I've not listened to her podcast. Um, I might check it out. But anyway, the fact that she thought she was crazy and that she should have been killed, I thought was really sad. Very so, sad. Um, she said, again, that, you know, she, she remembers, like you said, Elena, she remembers what happened. But the anxiety and all of that around it's greatly reduced yeah. through that therapy. That's a horrible experience, I could imagine. Mm -hmm. We don't know. That'd be horrible. Yeah. To live with. Yeah. Especially killing someone, no matter how bad, killing them. Well, and again, remembering the first thing out of her mouth was, I'm sorry, I just killed your husband. Right, right. You know, and you could tell she is a sweet heart. Oh my yeah. goodness. Naive so, a little bit. All right. I think it's time to finish up our after show combos with Ted, Ted Bundy. Mm. Yes. So let's you have, ridiculous. She has facts about him, I think, on this one. Yeah. Yes, I do. I have lots of facts. 